2: I'm Alan Alda and this is clear and vivid conversations about connecting and communicating. You are so skilled at creating this character that the world loves you for and you're super sweet and yet you're saucy and spicy saucy.
0: I don't think I'm spicy. <laughs> I think that's a lot of crap. (laughs) I'm a dirty old broad.
2: (laughs) That's Betty White. She's captured our hearts while she tickled our funny bone for decades. And now that she's reached the age of 98, we may just want to love her and not make her exert herself so much. But she's not finished with our funny bone just yet. I met with her in her office in Los Angeles for this conversation, and I got a delightful earful of cheerful innuendo. This is so great. Betty, I'm so delighted that you're talking with me today. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for for inviting me. I tell you, I've been looking forward to sitting and talking with you.
2: Well, so have I.
0: I didn't want... Necessarily, these other people here, but
2: that's how it goes. (laughs) Speaking of which, you have out in your office, in the the sitting, the waiting room of your office, you have a picture. What looks to me like two of your favorite animals, Robert Redford and this bear. Yeah,
0: yes, and it's not easy. To choose between them,
2: <laughs> <laughs> which one, which one have you got trained better than the other? Yeah,
0: that's right. And then I've got my other, my other favorite.
2: You're my, hugging. Uh, is that a, is that a tiger? Lion. A lion. Lion. You know, I that's wrote. My major. I, I wrote a movie once and directed it where I had my character wrestling with a tiger.
0: Oh, I I, would like that.
2: You would like that. uh, Yeah, I thought I would like it, too. (laughs) Didn't you? Well, it's interesting. After a while, the tiger just sat there and looked at me like, wait a minute. This is not getting me anywhere.
0: (laughs) Do I get a stunt check for this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, right, right, exactly. The the tiger wanted something out of it. So then he started going for my weak spots. He started uh, aiming at my ankles. Oh, a she it was a she, and then she reached around and bit me on the behind, and then I thought maybe the scene is over now.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe we've had enough, tiger.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's you. You know what? I, what I really love about your your career is how you are so skilled at creating this character that the world loves you for, and it, it's you're super sweet. And yet you're saucy and spicy saucy.
0: I don't think I'm spicy. <laughs> I think that's a lot of crap. <laughs> uh, I'm a dirty old broad. <laughs> <what I am? laughs>
2: did you did you create that character from the beginning? Is that you? Is that down in your heart? You that you've got all these parts to you?
0: I. I don't believe in trying to be somebody, you're not. Yeah. I think I think y- you you miss the boat if you if you try to do something on purpose.
2: I yeah, I have a one of my daughters has a sign in her house that says, don't try to be somebody else. Everybody else is already taken.
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that sounds
2: like you. I saw The Spice coming out in public when, in an interview you did with Merv Griffin in 1960. It was hilarious because it came as such a surprise. Because the country knew you as this lovely, adorable person who was concerned about other people. You know, I saw one one episode where you said, I've talked enough about me now. Let's talk about you. How are you feeling? Are you okay? And I was really convinced you were concerned about me, and then it turned out it was a Geritol commercial. <laughs> do they still make Geritol, do you know?
0: I don't know. Did
2: you ever drink any?
0: No. No. <laughs> no. I, yeah. Can you just picture coming in, you know, about 6 o'clock? And mixing a Geritol on the rocks, I don't <laughs> think I'd like that.
2: <laughs> Probably made you feel better because it had a little alcohol in it.
0: Yes. Maybe I could get rid of the Geritol and just drink the
2: alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> so you were around with Merv Griffin, and ju- in just that same sweet voice, you said, I've bought two fur coats with my own money before I realized there's another way to get them. <laughs> You're always looking for that turn that that <laughs> that sends it into an unexpected gag. I love that. I love the skill you have. <laughs> where did you get it? Where did you did your neither of your parents was in show business, right? No. What what did your parents do for a living?
0: My dad owned a, a floodlight company.
2: A floodlight a, company.
0: Floodlight, I mean, mm. where he put floodlights on the on buildings oh. and uh, and, uh,
2: and your mom did she have work for profession i
0: mean uh, uh, she did when they were first married before mm. i came along but then she just she was my mom yeah i was blessed with the two best parents that ever lived
2: what yes. was there about their parenting that that stuck with you
0: we had We just had fun together. We'd go on vacations. We were big nature lovers, big animal nuts, Mm -hmm. and we'd pack into the High Sierras. That was a two-day pack trip. Pack all our food and stuff on mules, and then go two-day pack trip, and then the guide would take, unload us, pitch our tents, and leave, And he wouldn't come back for three weeks. Oh, my God. So we never saw another human being. And
2: that's what I loved. How old were you then during that trip?
0: Oh, we would do that every year. The first time I rode on the saddle in front of my dad, I was too little to to ride my own horse. But then the next year, I was able to ride Queenie, my own horse. Uh And... uh, Dave and then we'd stay in there. And one time we ran out of food. If we we thought we had packed enough, but we hadn't. So Dad had to go out. Well, it's a two-day pack trip on horseback. And he had to walk it uh walk out, and so he left mom and me in there and then he walked out to get New supplies and, and brought them in with more horses and stuff. And mom and I were fine with being alone in there, except somehow without dad, it was a little scary at night mm. it, because you you just didn't didn't know. But we were both such animal nuts that if it was just animals out there, that's fine. But if there are people, of
2: <laughs> This ability you have to communicate with animals sounds extraordinary. The picture of the bear in your waiting room in the office is so interesting because I've seen a, another shot of you right hugging the bear, right next to the bear, hugging the bear. And... The bear's head is almost larger than your entire body, uh-huh. and you do this thing with a marshmallow with the bear. Uh-huh. What do you what, tell I, me? What what you do?
0: I put the marshmallow in my mouth, and the bear takes it out between my lips and takes it out. They, I I can't explain it all. And they 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 just read you like a book, and they know. They spot fear. If they if they sense fear, then you you have to be very careful. But if they sense there's no fear there, then they just sit back like you and I are doing, and we just have a little go at it.
2: Did you develop a, a way to deal with animals, or do you think you always had it?
0: Oh, I think in the womb. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think my folks loved animals deeply. It's just kind of my life.
2: Somebody told me uh, that you were at a zoo, and they said, "Don't be, don't be, wor- don't be offended. The animals, this animal never comes out." I think it was a giraffe.
0: Oh, it was! It was in uh, at Columbus Zoo. Uh, big, huge territory for this giraffe, and he was in the farthest corner, way, way, way back there. And they said, no, he he won't come over. Even for food, he won't come over. Don't do that. Well, I can't help it. I have to talk to the animals. So I, I said, come on. Come on, sweetie. Come on over. Come on over. And he just looked. Come on. He came from that corner all the way across and put his head over the fence and let me pet it. I was just mind boggled. I wanted to get back in there with him. <laughs> Can I stay with you for a while?
2: <laughs> what do you suppose it is? How do you do it?
0: I, I think they sense a, a lack of fear. I think is the primary thing, but also tremendous love, tremendous. I I, love animals more than most of the fellas I've ever known, <laughs> with the exception of a couple, but that's another story. <laughs>
2: You're a good relater to people as well. Have you learned anything about relating to animals that you apply to relating to people, do you think?
0: I may do it without realizing it. If you meet somebody for the first time, like I've been, the whole time we've been sitting here, this nice engineer, I've been hitting on him while I'm talking to you. It's it's just...
2: You know, know, that same basic joke, no matter how many times you do it, you get me with it. (laughs) Because I don't see it coming. (laughs) Do you remember how it came about that you got your first acting job?
0: In grammar school. I got the lead in the school play.
2: So you knew you liked to perform from that experience.
0: I loved it. I loved it.
2: And that even that I think gives you a basic understanding of the relationship between you and the audience
0: and what you get back from the audience. Yeah. Not just not just what they think of you, but what they give back. Without that reciprocal thing, it's hard to it's hard to overcome fear and and anxiety and all that unless unless you get that back from the audience.
2: And what about when they're not actually there? They're on the other end of the camera but you can't see them or hear them or sense what they're going through. Do you nevertheless have a sense of their being there in some oh, way? Oh,
0: yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh, because if, even if you're not they're not there and you can't see them. You're still talking to them. That that camera, that that that, that lens, is people as far as I'm concerned. Mm. When I'm talking to that lens, I'm not talking to a camera lens. I'm talking to people. You know that out there, there's a whole bunch of people that are listening to you.
2: You seem so good at relating to people. I remember when you were when I watched that clip of you in the 50s just talking to the camera. You were talking to the country as if it was one person, and you related to me through time and space. 50 years later, I thought you were talking to me personally. Every actor has to have this ability to relate, and I was thinking of you and Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live, when that a wonderful sketch where she's a, a census taker and you answer the door. And you're this sweet lady who gives her the worst possible answers. <laughs> but I remember you talking about that as a difficult thing because you had to read cue cards over her shoulder and weren't able to look her in the eye.
0: I really hate that.
2: I hate th- it too.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I memorized it. But when the cue cards are up there—
2: You can't ignore them.
0: You can't ignore them. You just can't. And uh, so it it was was not fun.
2: But you were—it's interesting. Even though you didn't want to use them, you were so skilled at it that when I saw that sketch, there was no way that I didn't believe you were looking her in the eye, which is very tough because— you really get something from the other actor that you can't get any other way That's by looking right. in the eye, right?
0: That's right. I'm waiting for you to give me something any minute. Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> but- you know, I'll come up with something in a second. <laughs> <laughs> you slip them in so fast, sometimes I don't know you're actually doing a great joke. When we come back from our break, I ask Betty, who is well on her way to living forever, how she does it. As usual, she has a surprising answer. Right after this.
1: Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney+, Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details.
2: Look around. You can find cars like
0: these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
1: In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.
2: This is Clear and Vivid, and now back to my conversation with Betty White. Does everybody ask you now about... What's the secret of longevity? Are you sick of hearing questions like that?
0: No, I'm I'm thrilled at hearing questions. I just I just turned 98.
2: I know, happy birthday it was just a couple of days ago.
0: Thank you and I boy did I milk that birthday.
2: <laughs> How did you do that?
0: Oh, I I mean I never have had a birthday like that. It was it was the best one in ninety eight years, but it's uh, good health. The fact that I'm ninety eight, but I'm well and I'm, I'm I'm not doddering around.
2: You sure aren't. You're sharp as a tack, uh, and it's, I it's it's. I, it's, I didn't we... go that far. <laughs> <laughs> what. So you must have uh, people must ask you constantly about what what your regimen is. What's you're you're on you're on some kind of special diet that helps you with good nutrition?
0: Yeah, uh, hot dogs and and potato chips and that kind of stuff. I'm I don't have a special diet. I must admit, and uh, I I stay up late and I get up early. I, you I, don't
2: get much sleep, huh? Uh, sleep, supposed to be very important.
0: It's supposed to be very important, but I, I staying up is a lot
2: more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you're staying up doing, I guess. <laughs> 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 I remember reading or hearing you say once that your mother gave you really good advice about looking for the positive side of things. That sounds like you lived by that.
0: Dad was... Pretty much that way too, but Mom was the, the cockeyed optimist. She said, If you if you look for the negative, I mean it's all over the place. We'll find it in a second. But she said, if you if you just try to find something something positive to look at, but she said, Don't be a pain in the ass doing it because people get You know, they get fed up with that very quickly.
2: I know. Somebody gets the news that they're sick and they're going to die in six months. It's not a good idea to look for the (laughs) positive in that. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: you've got six months.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've got six months, and and you can make. You've got the schedule, so you can make appointments.
2: (laughs) 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 But so that so your mother was really had a rounded idea there that that. You can look for the some you can find something positive in almost everything, but you don't have to impose it on other people.
0: that's right. and you can always find something negative always i i I had a very good friend, and you know her too, but she she just could not be positive. Mm. She had to find you'd say good morning. Yeah, what's good about her and I I said but that's not the way to start it because then you're miserable. I'm not miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and I I I would try not to not to get mad, but I'd think, Oh come off. Come yeah. off it.
2: A lot of people think that people who are America's sweetheart as you have been for so many years, don't get angry. Everybody gets angry, right?
0: Oh, and oh, oh. How yes. do you handle
2: your anger? What do you do? Do you do you try to turn like if you if you get pissed at somebody who's who's saying something you know is wrong or hurtful? How do you how do you correct them?
0: I don't correct them. I just kind of leave the situation, then go into some room by myself and (laughs) cuss it out. (laughs) It doesn't do any good to tell them they're wrong, because they they don't want to hear that. And you're not going to make any mileage telling them that. So I just I just try to get out of the situation, but then I have to go and let off steam
2: somewhere. Yeah, so you actually do let off steam. That's yes,
0: oh yes.
2: You accomplished an awful lot early on. I read that you were the first woman to own your own television series and and used that position. to. I think you made sure you had a woman director on the show. Which was unusual. Do you, do, do, am I right about that?
0: I just happened to have a woman. It wasn't, I want a woman director. I, gender has never been my, my, my most interesting subject. I just happened to have a great gal director. Right. Was and, that
2: a diff, Did you have to sell the idea to the uh, network? No. He just said, no, that's who I want.
0: Yeah. No. I al- always kind of tried to let the people running the show run the show. Mm. If if I start trying to run the show, and stop me if I'm wrong. But if I try to run the show, I'm not going to do a very good job of it. It's their job to run the show. No. It's my job to do what they want, and uh, so it. And besides it, it makes it a lot easier to avoid a lot of heavy decisions.
2: <laughs> do you have—people ask me this, and I can't, I can't answer it because I just—as you, as you do, I take life as it comes along, and I try to make the most of it. People ask me, what's your favorite character or what's your favorite movie or your favorite show? I have no answer for that. Do you?
0: I don't either. I mean, I loved oh some more than others and stuff. But I don't have one that oh well, that nothing will ever be like that.
2: Yeah, I remember rather than whole shows or or characters I played. I wonder how you feel about this. I remember moments, a moment where something happened often that was unexpected, or where I got somewhere, I achieved something I hadn't been able to do before. And that sticks in my mind, and other people wouldn't even pay any attention to it. Are there moments that crop up in your head?
0: N- not right not right now without thinking out. Yeah. But I know the kinds of moments you're talking about. Yeah,
2: I, I wouldn't well, be able to pick one out right now either.
0: Right, but the think... My god, I I did that. How how did I I, I yeah. didn't know I could do that?
2: I know. Yeah. That, that's one of the wonderful things about being in our profession is that you find yours you, you have a task to perform. You don't you're not sure you can do it, you're you're ready to try.
0: And you hope for the best.
2: And then you find out you can do it. What a what a treat that is.
0: And there's no business like it, really, is there? Aren't we in the best business in the world?
2: It's the best one I've ever been in, but it's also the only one of them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's the same way with me. But I I just find it uh, there's nothing like being able to reach out to the to the people out there and have them understand what you mean and respond to that. It, yeah, that
2: that that's a very special experience. Not 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 everybody has that experience because it's a very personal thing. Very. We're t- we're using our own voice, our own body, our own memories, and every all our emotions, and we make something out of that that other people respond to. To get that response back is an extraordinary feeling.
0: Oh, and and or when you. When you work in front of a live audience, mm. for example, yeah. and you're you're out on stage, and you walk out, and they give you a big greeting, and you know the, the which they do out of politeness, you know they 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 greet you that way, and then you're standing there in front of all these people that you don't know, and it it's scary. But it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really exciting. Did your
2: heart beat extra fast in the beginning? Did you get? Were you scared to face an audience in the beginning? Did you learn to do it better, or were you always comfortable?
0: What do I still get stage fright? You do really? Oh God, to the point of no return. Yeah, your heart
2: beats faster. Does something happen to your voice?
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> hello, hello everybody. I'm so I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah.
2: I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I can't believe it that after all these years you you don't have a sense of uh comfort walking out and facing the audience.
0: Excitement and love. I love doing it. Mm. But I'm scared to death.
2: Mm. You know? It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Do, do you, do you, uh, d- do you me- remember that feeling before you go on when before the show starts and the audience is talking among themselves, and you hear that the roar of that crowd that's apparently not interested in you—they're interested in one another—that that can be a daunting experience.
0: It's yeah, just the experience. Do- the audience itself is a daunting experience.
2: When kids in high school like to peek out through the curtain at the audience before the show, and that's the best way to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! There was a guy in vaudeville I knew I saw when I was about ten years old. He used to come out on stage very confidently. And walk to the footlights and look at the audience and say, oh, my God, people. And then he fell over backwards like a telephone pole. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. I think that was his whole act. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> yeah, I, but it I, it I worked. can't remember anything he did after that. <laughs> that was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> How about you? What, what got you into this?
2: Well, my father was an actor. You might have known him, Robert Alda. Oh, yes. Yeah and a very handsome leading man, sang beautifully. And he started out in burlesque, and he was a singer and a straight man. And I used to, from the time I was two years old, I'd stand in the wings watching burlesque.
0: Oh.
2: Which gave me a lifelong interest.
0: Of course.
2: And, also in show business and, and acting. And- I get the impression you've been an improviser all your life. I mean, even back in the days when you were handling a TV show by yourself five hours a day, six days a week, you had to be an improviser. It couldn't all be planned.
0: But it's fun to play with somebody. Yes. You know, back and forth. That's fun.
2: I, I agree. That, that's, to me, one of the great pleasures of being an actor is having that intimate relationship with somebody who otherwise is a stranger to you.
0: That's right. And it's, it's amazing how you relate on a whole different level yeah. than, than normal people relate with each other.
2: That's right. That's right. You sense things from the other person's body, language, mm. tone of voice, Yuck. even more than you do... In real life. Yes.
0: I do that with Robert Redford. But no, no, I don't do that with Robert Redford. What
2: do you do with Robert Redford?
0: Oh, well, that's another day. We'll have another interview. <laughs> <laughs> have you,
2: I, I assume you know uh, Bob Redford.
0: I've never met him.
2: Oh, my God. I so, have taken so it's, it's his... it's just you and that cardboard sign out in the office.
0: If I ever... Met him or you know ran into him, I would be so embarrassed because <laughs> I've taken his name for years. I take his name in vain. I mean, people could think that we're deeply intimate. So I, I, I just I just talk about him. It's wishful but thinking. You, sure. Robert
2: Redford, you've never met, but you do the marshmallow thing with the bear. Uh huh. That blows my mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think of the two, I kind of like the bear.
2: (laughs) You're a great improviser. It's wonderful. It it really sounds like you've you've improvised your way through life because you don't have a plan for the next 20 years, do you?
0: Not really. You take what comes along. And it's it's so wonderful at this age, at 98, to have things still coming along. But I I can't plan them because who knows that could stop tomorrow. And people say, she's 98 years old, we don't want her to be 98 years old and as healthy as I am, Alan, is a privilege. It really is. I, I have no aches or pains. I, I can. I mean, not too many people at this age are as healthy as I am.
2: I think at any age. I mean, you, you're, you're, you, to not have aches and pains. I had aches and pains when I was forty. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you look crestfallen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring up something negative. It's in the past. I'm okay now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you better be okay.
2: <laughs> we do something to end our shows. The seven quick questions. They're not they're not embarrassing questions. They're they're fun. Okay. And what do you wish you really understood?
0: Negative people.
2: Hmm. hmm. I
0: I just don't understand them because they'll take good stuff and and screw it up and I don't understand that
2: how do you tell someone they have their facts wrong
0: uh, uh, I don't do that very often or very well because I'm not sure of the facts
2: myself. Nobody's ever (laughs) ever answered the question that way. That's great. What's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? (laughs)
0: Betty, now clean it up and let's... uh, the strangest question anybody's ever.
2: <laughs> Wait, you're talking to yourself, Betty. Clean it up before you answer the question. <laughs> yeah. no, you have <laughs> you you have a question that's so strange, you don't want to say it into a microphone. Right? <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good enough answer, I think, right there. How do you stop a compulsive talker?
0: I know, You should You should know better than I because I'm a compulsive talker and I go <laughs> blithering on and, and you handle it so beautifully and you let me go blithering on and then you come back and you're right back in the interview again.
2: That sounds like more of a description of what you do than what I do, but I, I, that sounds good. How do you like to start a real conversation when you're sitting next to someone you don't know at a dinner party?
0: Hi, sailor. Long and Tom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's so often you're at a dinner party with a sailor, too. It <laughs> works every time. What We sort of touched on this a little bit as we were talking. What gives you confidence
0: uh, you go out scared to death with that audience you i have terrible stage fright problems but the audience's reaction and their response pretty soon you find yourself comfortable and 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 enjoying and and interacting with them
2: mm, that's great that's that connection you yes. get you get Nourishment from the connection. Yes. Okay. Last question: What book changed your life?
0: Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yeah. I've 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 got all the Oz books. I've got 48 Oz books, and I fell in love with the Oz books, and so I just they changed my life. They made me a reader. I I will read. Anything I can get my hands on, and then go back and read the Oz books again.
2: Mm, you've read them many times. Yes, Betty. This has been so enjoyable for me. I, this is so memorable.
0: Oh, oh but may I say the same?
2: I am touching your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, 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 sorry. You don't have to take the microphone home. I,
0: I, I can if I want to. <laughs>
2: This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My thanks to the sponsors of this episode. All the income from the ads you hear go to the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. Just by listening to this podcast, you're contributing to the better communication of science. So thank you. Betty White, the national treasure, is more popular than ever, showing up on Saturday Night Live in commercials for the NFL. And what you might not know is that she's one of the first women in television to have taken creative control both in front of the camera and behind it when she starred in and co-produced a nationally syndicated comedy, Life with Elizabeth. The show helped Betty win her first Emmy Award and it successfully launched her long and brilliant career. If you want to try and keep up with Betty, you can follow her on Twitter at Betty M. White. This episode was edited and produced by our executive producer, Graham Chedd, with help from our executive producer, Sarah Chase, and our associate producer, Gene Shermay. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula, our tech guru is Allison Coston, and our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid, and I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Next time on Clear and Vivid, I have a conversation with Cy Montgomery right here at the New England Aquarium. Cy, I'm getting so hungry to see an octopus. You got an octopus I can actually look at and touch?
0: Oh, yes. I think she's eager to meet you.
2: Have you been talking about me?
0: (laughs) Yes, I have. She wants to shake hands times eight.
2: Cy Montgomery, author and octopus whisperer. Next time on Clear and Vivid.